All right, here's another episode of the Dreamlet Podcast, and today I'm here with my friend, Ben. How's it going? And thanks so much for having me, Scott. Really appreciate it. Before we start, tell us a little bit about yourself. Cool. So yeah, quick introduction on myself. So my name is Ben Smith, as, as you mentioned, and I grew up here in New York City, though I was adopted from China, and I think that'll be relevant a little bit later in the podcast. I make YouTube videos. I previously was running a small startup, and now I also run a small uh, communal house. I, I sort of juggle a lot of different yeah. balls and wear many hats, but it's something that I enjoy doing, and, and it keeps my life exciting for, for sure. Yeah, I definitely want to get into that. What exactly is a communal house? Because yeah, you so, mentioned it before, but I never like quite understood exactly what it is. For sure. Uh, to give some context, I think it'd be helpful just to say, you know, why I was interested in communal living in the first place. And it really started from, uh, you know, having a passion for traveling growing up, but then also furthering that passion while studying abroad in Madrid in Spain. While there, I, I got to travel all over Europe extensively, nice. mostly by myself. Yeah, it was a fantastic experience. I sort of call it the peak of my life, but hopefully <laughs> hopefully, there's going to be some you know, other peaks coming up as well. But uh, while traveling abroad um, and while traveling all over Europe, I got the opportunity to stay in hostels. And we as Ooh. Americans were told that, like, that hostels are supposed to be, yes, affordable, but there's a trade-off. There's a trade-off of them being grungy and just cheap and yeah, not yeah. an enjoyable place to live. And that couldn't have been further than, than the reality of my experience. Yeah, yeah. I loved hostels. The first hostel I stayed in was in the Netherlands. And right when I walked through the door, I had, I had these expectations, right, of thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to save money here. But I walked through the door. The receptionist was as nice as can be. I met some other people just in the, the lounge. Uh, they gave me a piece of pie. <laughs> uh, an apple pie, which is famous in the, in the Netherlands. I made some new friends there. And that is really what defined my experience while traveling in the Netherlands and then uh, while traveling to many other cities all across Europe mm -hmm. as well. And then later on in, in, in other places as well. So rather than choosing to stay in an Airbnb or a cheap hotel, which may have been more luxurious, sure, I preferred to actually stay in, in a hostel. Uh, with the intention of making new friends, uh, meeting new people, and learning about who nice. they are and, and what drives them. Yeah, I I also stayed in hostels before in Japan. Oh, nice. Um, and Japan was the first place I ever traveled to outside of America. Well, that's a pretty great place to travel to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But when I traveled there, um, my friends set up all the housing stuff. So I didn't even know I was in hostels until like later on when they told me what a hostel was. Hmm. And I thought the experience was really good. Like it was clean. Everybody there was nice. There was, like you said, there was a lounge where you can meet people who were also traveling. Like I was like stretching while talking to some stranger who was yep. backpacking all over the world for a year or whatever. Lots of interesting people. Yeah. And I think a note on that is when you think about traveling and when you think about going to a place as, as great as India to Agra uh, and seeing the Taj Mahal. Nice. Of course, it was, it was great seeing an incredible um, structure, yeah. but sort of the things that you remember, though, are like the small interactions, you know, the, the going on the rickshaw in the streets and, and laughing with your friends just because it was such an alien experience to us. You know, those things are what stick in, in my mind, at least, uh, really being the interactions and the, and the connections and experiences between you and the people that you're enjoying that trip with. I feel you. I feel yep. you. I was yeah. never into traveling before, but after going to, to well, I thought I was one of those guys who was like, 
I just want to go to Japan and that's it. <laughs> but then like mm. after going to London, because um, it was random, my sister just asked me to go. So I was like, okay, sure. I wasn't expecting it much, but like going there and actually seeing the place, it made me sort of have more interest in traveling and actually want to see more of the world. So it sort of opened my eyes basically. Um, that's awesome to hear. What yeah. do you think, uh, what do you think attracted you to, to being more interested in traveling? I thought it was really fun. Like what you said, the people there, it was my sister, my sister's friend and my sister's friend's cousin. So I met my sister's friend's cousin and then we sort of like became friends ourselves. And it was just fun um, to just walk around with them everywhere, take the bus everywhere and just like see a lot of different places. And it was just a really fun experience that was yeah. different from the normal. And for me, that's like, I'm big on that. I love doing things that are different from the normal. For sure. And, and I think it's sort of... um different from the normal and i think that means growth uh, like I yeah think that yeah. means learning a lot experiencing a lot and taking those lessons and, and applying them to the future in whatever way that might may be and maybe some of that is very explicit and maybe some of that is is more subtle yeah definitely and i think i need more of that unfortunately covid hit yep. for, the, yeah. <laughs> for the both of us <laughs> just stuck so yeah i think that this was the context for uh for me getting into the whole communal living thing so to go back to that i had always loved traveling staying in hostels specifically enabled me to really have enjoyable experiences and then after graduation in 2016 i came back to new york and we work had just launched we live and we live had tons of different articles about about we work sort of redefining what this new way of living might be yeah so yeah. they coined the term co-living and I, uh, I read all of the articles. I, you know, I thought that, that was the, it was the coolest thing. And then I ended up really focusing all of my efforts on emailing the founder of a really small startup at the time in 2016 and getting in contact with him. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I joined, joined him. His name is James. And you know, we built that company for a while and then ended up changing the, the direction of the company to co-found a new startup called Tribe, Tribe Co-Living. So I'm one of the co-founders there. Nice. And I worked on Tribe Co-Living for uh, over two years. And then after some structural changes, Tribe was moved to San Francisco, the head headquarters. I stayed in New York and I started a new, another new company uh, called Gold House, Gold House NYC. And it's a one-off independent communal house. I live here in the house. It's a five-story townhouse with about 20 people living in it. And people in the house are all here with the intention of creating a social atmosphere, a community with the hopes of you know, improving together because people are better together. Yeah, dude, that sounds awesome. Like, yeah, well, you should come visit next time you're here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll let you or know. Or potentially move in. <laughs> I'll let you know, man. I'll let you know. Uh, New York, right? Where in New York? Yeah, so we're located in, in Brooklyn, right next to Prospect Park. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. I don't visit the East Coast that much, but... You know, as if I have a reason, that's when I go visit. <laughs> now you do have a reason. <laughs> yeah. But that's really awesome to hear that. Like, I graduated in 2016 as well, by the way, from college. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like we were around the same age. So, yeah. Yeah. You definitely went through quite a lot after you graduated. So, the, the traveling inspired you to start up those companies essentially with your co founder, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then, like, same sort of idea throughout each company just different names or the essence the core of the business is very similar and the visions might be slightly different so 
one of the takeaways that we had when running the startup tribe is we wanted to scale the company into a, a really large company. Uh, in startup world, that means a, a billion dollar company. And to do that, of course, is not easy. You're faced with many hardships. One of the hardships that, that we thought was really hard to overcome was balancing scaling and then balancing also having a great community. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do one or the other decently, but they're at odds with each other. So it, it's very difficult to grow a co-living company to a thousand properties while also having a focus on community and having a focus on yeah. redefining the way that people make friends and connections yeah. uh, through living. So now with my new company, uh, Gold House NYC, this is just one house, you know, and the intention here isn't to grow this into a giant company or anything like that. The intention here is for me and the people that I'm living with to build bonds with each other and to, to learn about each other and to grow that way. Yeah, create a and strong that's much community. Easier. Exactly. That's much easier just because we're only one house. You know, yeah, so yeah. we don't have any grandiose visions. We just want to continue living and, and enjoying you know, like enjoy each other's company. I like yeah. that a lot. And I think that there are ways to facilitate growing a community digitally, which which enables you to have more reach to more more people and to have a larger community. But yeah, you, you know, the question is, at what cost does that come? Uh, you know, I, I, when I think of digital communities that I think are, are really strong, I, I do think of YouTube. Not all YouTubers, but some YouTubers have very tight knit communities where the fans of those YouTubers or the members of those YouTube channels, uh, they not only support the, the YouTuber themselves, but they also support each other. And yeah. I think that's something that's really interesting in terms of scale and community. But in terms of like physical property, I think it's hard. It, it is a complicated equation to solve. Definitely. I feel like I, I want to try to move towards that. <clears throat> um, like in terms of what you said, like a YouTube community. Um, I definitely feel like I haven't done much to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess we can talk more about YouTube now. Uh, cool. As, yeah. Just as a transition, I how, how, how are you going about it, building a YouTube community, I suppose? Well, first of all, what, what's your YouTube channel about? Yeah, so... I guess my channel niche or channel direction is ever evolving, and that's something that <laughs> I'm I'm continuing to learn about, and you know, and, and continuing to apply to my channel. So, currently, what I'd say is is my YouTube channel is a channel to hopefully share a new perspective to anyone that's watching it, and what that means most closely to to who I am is. Being a person that grew up in New York with diverse experiences, you know, I was adopted from China when I was a baby. I was adopted by two men, so I have two dads. My family has transformed and, and grown over the years. My sister's from Vietnam, uh, adopted as well. Mm-hmm. And those are all really unique experiences or somewhat unique experiences that Sounds pretty maybe, unique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say to many people unique and and. But that doesn't mean that there aren't many people that have very similar experiences to me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the tune of hundreds of thousands of, of Asian adoptees. But anyway, so I sort of saw that, saw my differences as an opportunity to share a new perspective and hopefully to encourage other people to get in this mindset and, and framework of like taking into account other people's backgrounds and, and differences um, and, yeah. and hopefully encouraging people to be conscious about how they think about empathy and and acceptance towards people's differences. So anyway, my, my YouTube channel is 
serves as a platform to spread that message of of perspective of of acceptance and yeah and definitely a worthy message that. to spread because yep. i feel like a lot of people even especially in my my uh sort of niche as well in self-development a lot of people tend to generalize i feel mm. um it ends up being a sort of if you do this then you'll get these results but that's not exactly true because there's different environments different situations different uh, people respond to different things and a lot of the a lot of nuance gets lost um and i, I feel like everything in in any, any niche honestly yeah um, yeah so i think for me personally i try to always keep that in mind when i create a video um even though it's kind of like weird because i feel like general um general videos with general titles and general topics do the best <laughs> right but, but like i don't like that like i personally don't right. like being general so it it it's like conflict within myself sometimes i mean i i definitely i definitely can empathize with that i mean i think that youtube basically we as, as youtubers i i think that we are at odds with doing what's trending and if something is trending by definition or by extension it sort of means that there is going to be less less nuance in how we can approach that subject because so many people have already covered it and and so many perspectives have have already been uh, put out there to the forefront. So, yeah, yeah, I think that there is a balance for sure. But there's only like one of us. You know, there's only one Scott. There's only one Ben, and our perspective is inherently nuanced to who we are. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the perspective we can offer. I try to make videos that like aren't copies of other videos. Basically, I try to make videos that like offer something new. Basically, one of my tests to tell whether or not I thought it was a good video is if this video offer something new that other people don't usually offer, then it's a good video it, mm. to me. Um, but of course, uh, there's there's a balance between making a video for like someone else versus making a <laughs> video for yourself. And Bayar has told me this. I tend to make videos more for myself, which is very true <laughs> because uh, there's like a sense of self-fulfillment that I want to achieve. And I feel like I'm very focused on that right now because it is true that we both of us are still in our 20s and we're trying to like figure things out in our own lives. Yep. So for me personally, I feel like it's hard for me to speak as an authority when I feel like there's just so much more for me to learn. So all the best mm -hmm. I can do is offer my perspective on what I've, what I've learned and not say that this is for sure what you need to do to achieve this, but this is what I did that actually got me these certain results. And that's that's the best I can do for like my type of videos. Yeah, I, I think that's completely valid. Uh, you know, I don't see myself as, as an authority, um, just like you said. And But I, I think what is valuable to, to viewers, hopefully, is just seeing both you and I go through our learning experiences, our journeys, and hopefully just taking away whatever they, you know, whatever a viewer might want to take away from that. And yeah, that's enough yeah. in itself, oftentimes. So I guess that's that's sort of my my way of thinking about youtube these days is just like going through my journey and then like highlighting the experiences and mm -hmm. trying to give whatever information i m i might find that i think is valuable to other people basically yep yeah i think that makes total sense but also i'm, I'm kind of a i'm very sporadic <laughs> sometimes like i i like creating random videos like um i love doing a lot of different things so yep. it's it's hard for me to focus sometimes <laughs> uh yeah like, that, that makes sense it's yeah. A, yeah, it's the creator's dilemma. 
Well, what is your favorite video? I mean, or what's close to, to the top of your favorite videos hmm. that you've made? That's a great question. It's hard because I feel like depending on when you ask me that question, the answer will change. For sure. Yeah, because- So I'm asking you, what about right now? <laughs> okay, right. As of this moment, I think my later videos are some of my better videos. I really liked my water video when I drank three, three liters of water for 30 days. Mm -hmm. I thought that one was pretty fun to make just because I highlighted the experience. I talked to the camera about it and stuff like that, even though some of um, the edits don't necessarily always show that. Um, yep. Same with my 5 a.m. video. I really like that one. I think those those two are are some of my favorite ones on my Dreamlit channel. That's for sure. I, I guess there there's the result of the video came out to be a high quality video. But I think also part of why you like those videos is also because you also grew through those videos. Exactly. Those were both challenges. <laughs> exactly. So there were two main uh, drivers, you know, behind like, oh, you know, like this was a great video for me to, to create and the result was good and, and I got a lot from it as well. So yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense that, that you feel that way. I definitely feel like the videos that I like the most are where while I'm creating it, I'm enjoying it and growing from it as well as the video being high quality. Um, even though sometimes the video doesn't necessarily get like a huge amount of views or whatever, I feel like what's most important to me is that I, I got something out of it and grew from it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And usually if you're getting something out of that experience, other people will be able to take something away from that experience as well, depending of course on, on how you package it and how you communicate that, that message. Mm -hmm. Out of curiosity, what, what would be like a tip for listeners who wanna get into YouTube? Yeah, so I don't know that I'm the best uh, or most qualified person to, to answer this just because I'm a very <laughs> inconsistent YouTuber. Uh, but the videos that I make, I, I am proud of. And the videos that, that I've made, I've just gotten started. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had an idea and I started that idea that same day because I was so excited to yeah, that's a get good that idea. Exactly. To get that idea out <laughs> into the world. You want to do it while you're fresh. The excitement is fresh and like you, you, your idea is blooming. You don't want it to die, you know, like you don't want it to just sit there for such a long time that it eventually just you get disinterested. Exactly. And and I think that changes over time. You know, now I'm at the point where I'm trying to plan ahead because I know that, you know, I can't rely on the excitement for my ideas uh, alone in itself. I need to be thoughtful about how I plan my, my videos, about how I script my videos, you know, just writing down bullet points and making sure I'm efficient about the process. But when you're when you're starting, th the most important thing you can do is exactly that to start. And I think to start, you do have to have some sort of inspiration. So, you know, because you aren't practiced in uh, showing up every day and getting to work and getting to editing and getting to filming, mm -hmm. you have to rely on that immediate status, uh, that immediate inspiration um, and the yeah. satisfaction that you get from like actually putting something out into the world. So first start a video, put something out into the world. And then after you do that uh, one or a few times, then start thinking a little bit more consciously about how you're going to make this sustainable. And that's, you know, that's the part where I am. And that's the part that, that has been a learning process and certainly has, has you know, I've, I've had my struggles, but I think I'm, I'm just at the point where I'm figuring it out. And I think that there is some sustainability here. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think your channel is good in terms of quality. Like all your videos are pretty quality videos. And yeah, I, I would say I put a lot of time and effort into my videos. On one hand, that's great for the result of the video, 
on the other hand, it also does stress me out a little bit in terms yeah. <laughs> of like getting started again. You know, YouTube, it, it's sort of common knowledge that YouTubers should be posting consistently. Usually that means once per week, if not more. And right now my average posting is like once every two to four weeks, maybe on average three weeks, which is, yeah, yeah which is which is not great and in terms of consistency and yeah, something that I'm working on, yeah. I'll do my advice and I'll make okay. it related to yours. Okay, um, great. This is just something that I personally believe. I try to see mental health as one of the biggest priorities as a YouTuber. Because I think when you do this for a while, mental health is definitely one of those things that is quite vulnerable. Because mm. you look at a, a lot of numbers, you look at views, you look at your upload consistency, you look at a whole bunch of things, and those things can really bring you down um, if you let it. There's a whole bunch of advice out there, and there's a whole bunch of like best practices, but do what you can at the moment that makes your mental health like the strongest, that you feel is like less stressful, that you feel is... Um, more optimized to you. Um, so if if you want to upload uh, every two to three weeks and you feel happier about that and you feel like you you your video quality is better because of that, I think personally you should do that until you slowly ramp up and make more videos and get more used to it. That's what my advice would be to listeners. Um, and I guess that's what my response or thoughts are mm. to your uh, sort of dilemma. I think that there's a lot of truth to that. What where I would push back is I think that there is a certain balance of um, the discomfort that I might have in publishing every single week and realizing that that discomfort is is truly discomfort, but it's also an opportunity for me to grow as a YouTuber, video oh, creator. Yeah, editor, definitely, definitely. All of that. And definitely a, a balance. Like, yeah, you should feel yeah. some discomfort, but at the same time, don't push so hard that you're you get stressed out and burned out, basically. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, th yeah. Th I think once you realize that you are getting burned out, um, yeah, that's that's a time to reevaluate, uh, reevaluate your priorities and and see. I, I think that there's this uh, something that's really important. How I would describe it is, as a creator, there's naturally going to be challenges that you're met with, and these challenges can either be paralyzing or you can recognize them as challenges that are on the way uh, to who you want to become and and what you want your channel. In, in terms of a YouTube channel to become and seeing those challenges as on the way as opposed to in the way is really important because then it makes those challenges worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And that's why for me, I am trying to work on recognizing that YouTube is a platform that I have to, I have to create within the bounds of. And because of that, if I want my channel to grow because I deem channel growth as valuable mm -hmm. uh, in terms of impact and reach and impacting more people, then I do need to make sacrifices in terms of like my, my comfort. And I do need to say, okay, well, I'm going to be posting every week. Now, now it's, yeah, easy, yeah. it's easy yeah. to say and it's hard to do, uh, but it is something that I'm consciously working towards. And I think each day I am getting slightly close, closer to that. And by next week, maybe maybe I say, I am going to start posting every week and, and that's going to happen. And, and I think I am very close to that point. Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, I, I feel like our our advice doesn't like necessarily conflict. Like mm -hmm. they both they both match up. It's just a balance. Um, yeah. It's just knowing yourself. Like, because you know that you can take that challenge and mm -hmm. eventually beat it. 
but um, sometimes it's it's harder for other people. So you just got to sure. know yourself and know um, like your limitations. Be uncomfortable, but also don't push yourself too far to the point where you break. Is right, absolutely. Is uh, the core lesson from this conversation. <laughs> okay, so one thing I'm curious about in terms of your communal house is one of the core messages or core ideas is that you guys grow together, right? So yeah. how's that? How's that been in terms of like that mission, that goal? Like twenty people, you said. Yep. Yep. So I think that that mission has has certainly changed over over time. To give some context first, at first I saw Goal House and and the name being very very clear in what what it stands for. At first I saw it being sort of a a place for people to live and to achieve certain areas of achieve in certain areas of their life that that they want to work on. So maybe、yeah. that's starting a YouTube channel. Maybe that's learning how to dance. Maybe that's learning a new language. Maybe that's X, Y, or Z,、uh, and something that's more qu-、uh, quantitative. After sort of trying to mold that into the house community for the first few months, I realized, well, first and foremost, this house is a place for people to live, and I need to make sure that people are are living and feeling comfortable within their own home. There's a, a difference, or there's a dichotomy there between living, feeling comfortable, enjoying your time in a house, and then and then. On the contrast, feeling like this is a drill sergeant house where I need to achieve my goals or else. Gotcha. There's a disconnect between that and feeling comfortable in a house. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, now my my focus really is on on being intentional about who comes into the house and being intentional about what their background is, what type of person they are. Do they like being sociable? Do they like having an open mind and, and having conversation with other people? Because Growth will naturally and inevitably happen if people are, for example, from two different backgrounds or two different countries or two different places in their life. That's an immense amount of of learning potential and growth. Yeah. So that's yeah. how I think about it now. It's it's more、uh, intentionality in the in the roommate choosing process, and then spontaneity in how those relationships develop while living in the house. Gotcha, gotcha. The sort of、um, growth that you were talking about in terms of that, specifically to that example, is、uh, just seeing different perspectives,、um, having two people talk that are from two different worlds, also giving each other like different advice,、um, right? Yeah, I would say that is that happens on a daily basis,、um, but that's not to say that there aren't more rigid. Uh, goals that are achieved as well. You know, we have people that that are runners in the house, for example, and a couple of them had had a goal to run a half marathon and a marathon before before all of the COVID、um, quarantine、yeah. stuff. <laughs> and yeah, that was achieved, and and that was achieved、nice. because because there were other runners in the house, and they wanted to to do that together. So that sense of community can be applied, yes, in in everyday just. Normal spontaneous conversation, but it can also be applied in a more stringent. You know, we are going to run twenty six miles, and and、yeah. this is how we're going to do it, and when we're going to do it. Dude, I, I feel like that would be so helpful. Like to have other people always around that are like pushing you to,、uh, you know, move towards your goal or just exercise together or something that is beneficial together. Yeah, and and, and well, what I'd say is it can be as helpful as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, for for me, I talk about YouTube all the time. I think about YouTube all the time, and I know from a mental health standpoint, my mind does need 
some time off. Uh, it does need a balance between thinking about YouTube and thinking about the movies or, or a TV show or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And being and th- that's why I've uh, that's why how I think about the house now has changed uh, gotcha, over the gotcha. last year and a half of running it. But uh, you know, when we hang out, I sort of try to mentally schedule in times for me to hang out and to not think about any professional things or anything like that because if i'm only thinking about youtube i mean that's when for for me that's when i feel the onset of procrastination and and unproductivity gotcha Gotcha. and sometimes i'll just sit right right here at my desk i'll be saying to myself like okay let's start let's start with this new video let's start let's start let's record let's record but I, I, you know, I'm saying that my, to myself for, for hours on end or some version of, of that, or I'm just watching YouTube for, for inspiration, but it's really just the manifestation of, of procrastination. So yeah, yeah there's, there's a balance. Separate like those two things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like I was like that at some point where all I would think about was my work, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but for s- somehow I changed, I'm not even sure how to be honest. Yeah, you whenever, need to give me some tips. <laughs> whenever I'm hanging out with my friends, I just I don't think about that stuff anymore at all. I just hang out with them. I guess because mm-hmm. I I'm just enjoying myself. I can't really do much during that moment, so I just disconnect from it, and I'm enjoying the conversation I'm having. I'm enjoying whatever we're doing. I mean, these days I don't really get that that much because I don't see yeah. any of my friends. But back, I'm talking. I'm talking about in general. Um, these days it's a lot harder to get away from work just because literally all I'm doing is either at home, sometimes part-time work. And when I'm at home, that's when I can do my work. So it's like a lot of my time is spent on um, editing or something like that. Right. And it's sort of, it's not, it's not good. <laughs> it's it's not good. Like in terms of mental health, I really want to like hang out with people and um, other stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I think you know physically, physiologically, we 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 crave that, and now we can't have that. Um, so it's certainly very hard to have a balance right now during these times. Yeah, but it, it's probably nice to have those people in the communal house, though, right? But I, I suppose it is riskier in terms of contracting COVID. But yeah, yeah, I, I, it, you know, again, I guess that's also uh, an illustration of balance. But it it certainly is really nice. We have a dinner. Uh, sometimes outside, sometimes in our large communal basement, where each week, sort of on a on a rotation volunteer schedule, uh, someone will someone or, or two or three people will volunteer to cook, and then we'll all eat together and catch up and and just talk and hang out. Yeah, so, dude, that sounds really nice. Like it is really nice. Yeah, you should come over any Sunday. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll be having dinner, and and you're welcome to to come. Thank you, man. Thank We've you. also been giving little uh, little GH talks, which is our version of a of a ten minute style uh, ten minute TED style talk. Oh, nice. And yeah, you could give a presentation on, on self improvement <laughs> on YouTube and, and, and everything else. Yeah, yeah, I, I, dude. I, I'll think about it. I'll seriously consider it because, like, after COVID ends, after all that stuff is done and i can fly again i mean i do have fly flight credits that i need to use yep so there we hopefully go i can extend those because i was supposed to visit my friend in singapore but like COVID hit exactly when i was supposed to visit her yep so yep. i'm just like dang it but yeah i i find the idea of having other people around you um that are also striving to to achieve something very necessary i think if you're doing something alone and trying to achieve a goal alone, it's going to be so much harder to not have people who are supportive as well as like also setting an example because 
people can be supportive. You know, they're gonna say like, "Oh, I'm here for you. Uh, good job when you do something cool." But it's not the same when when it's someone else also trying to achieve something, and they're saying the same things. You know, because there's just a level of understanding、um, that is there、mm-hmm. when it's someone else who's also striving towards like bigger things or like goals、um, that they personally have. What you have, I feel, is is so ideal. <laughs> yeah, and and part of it is is the goal setting and and things that are more structured. But part of it is just catching up with someone. You know,、uh, you know, some of my roommates of well, actually, all of my roommates know that I'm obsessed <laughs> with YouTube and just thinking about YouTube. So they'll say naturally, you know, how how's the next video going, or how you know how's your channel doing. And that's not、Yo. a strict goal, right? Yeah, that's yeah. not rigid. But what that does for me mentally is, I, I think, like, oh snap, I need to, I need to make <laughs> sure that I'm doing something because my roommate is going to say, like, oh, like I want to check out your new video, so I need to make sure that there's something that I can show yeah. them. Yeah, some of it is just being like a normal, friendly person and and being interested in in the other people that are around you. Yeah, I like that a lot. I I I want that more. I don't have too many people asking me how my、YouTube、Scott. You know,、channel. it's this. It's also being in Brooklyn and the East Coast, which is the best coast. So all、oh, those things,、shoot. all those things together.、Uh, I don't know,、yeah. man. It、I、should、can't. be pretty compelling for you. <laughs> kind of like the West Coast, man. Yeah, fall weather. Fall weather in New York is great. Yeah, I mean, like summer here kind of sucks just because it's really hot. At least where I'm living. Yeah, I, I recently talked to one of my friends from college, and he's pretty good about being consistent in terms of working out. And I've been pretty bad in terms of consistency with exercise and stuff like that because interesting. I would before COVID, I would go to gymnastics like two to three times a week, and that was my core exercise. That was like what I would usually do. So after it got closed, I couldn't do that anymore. And from there, my exercise just started to deteriorate. Um, but recently, I started talking to him again, and now we're we have this like Google Sheet where we just write down what we did for that day in terms、mm, of exercise.、Wow. Honestly, the moment we established that sheet, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get down right now and do some pushups and pullups. <laughs> that's, <laughs> like that's exactly what I do: pushups and pullups. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of the I guess、um, advice I would like to offer to listeners is just.、Um, Try to find like a group out there. Try to find like a、uh, people who can sort of keep you accountable, and I think it'll help improve just whatever you're doing in general. For sure, yeah, and I think that a really great way to go about that is just by having conversations and being truly interested in in another person, and hopefully through that display of of interest, they also find interest in what you're doing. And you guys don't necessarily need to be. Doing the same exact thing, right? You, yeah, you and I,、yeah. we both do YouTube. But let's say you did something completely different.、Uh, let's say it, you know it was software engineering, and you wanted to create a new app,、uh, and I wanted to, to continue to grow my channel. The, the growth there and the, the the steps of producing something new, producing something, and making progress, those are similar in, in themselves. Definitely.、Uh, so the, the the medium or the the product that you're working on. There doesn't there doesn't need to be complete similarity, but、uh, but this sense of progress is naturally very similar. And I think it's important to have it come out naturally, because I do feel like、uh, when it is systematic, sometimes it's it's a little little tougher to make it interesting. Sometimes because like that interest is important、um, in the other person. Like I, I should have 
I should have been more interested in the other person's um, like what they're doing instead mm. of just all for myself. Um, and I think that would have been better in terms of like a, an accountability environment. Right, right. Because the, the the accountability is an extension of your interest in that other person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. As opposed to the accountability just for the sole purpose of accountability, which yeah. is purely utilit- you know, utilitarianism, um, which is great, which is great uh, by all means, but it, it can be exhausting if you're not actually truly interested in how the other person is doing. So. Yeah, yeah. Lots awesome. of balance. Yeah. <laughs> the answer to many things is is it depends and and lots of balance. Yeah, yeah, that is that's the truth. That's yeah. that's honestly it. Because uh, as as simple as we would love things to be, oftentimes it's not quite as simple. Yep. Yeah. Thanks so much, Scott, for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon.